And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him? gentlemen wherever you're at in the world i am jason your co-host with god and jesus christ at my side because they are the host with the most they are the ones in charge they are at the wheel they're in the captain's chair and they're steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life so welcome to his hard line for episode 503 and it is friday good friday to boot april 7th 2023 so welcome glad to have everybody here so Today, we are going to be reading Genesis chapter 29, and then we're going to get into a summary. But before we do, kind of wanted to play a little song this morning just to kind of start it off uh, kind of cheery here in a way. But this is a song that is one of my favorite songs. It's a Christian song by Jeremy Camp. Um, in fact, if you ever watched his movie, I, uh, I believe it's called I Still Believe. It is a great movie. Uh, my wife might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. It's either I believe or I still believe. I know there's two Christian movies out there. One of them has to do with uh, Columbine. Uh, and then the other one is obviously his movie. But I think it's I still believe. It's a great movie. It talk, you know, it just shows, yeah, that's what it is. I still believe. It's a great movie on his life. Kind of starts off when he goes into college and kind of how he comes about and all the struggles he's dealt with in his life. It's such a great movie. And I suggest anybody who... Um, has never seen it 
I highly recommend go get it. Uh, we have it on DVD. I'm not sure if it's on Pure Flix. It may be if you're a Pure Flix subscriber, but I know uh, it's worth well worth having the DVD for sure. But this has always been a song that's resonated with me. It's called Dead Man Walking because this really describes my life since, you know, uh, I got a lot closer to God and found God, or I should say he found me and really started working on me. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing song, but this is Jeremy Camp, Dead Man Walking, one of my favorite songs that he, you know, that he, he has done. Freedom was something I never found Trying to find six feet on the ground I know the way to all of my sin Fighting the fight that I couldn't win song that is one of my favorite songs that was dead man walking by jeremy camp that was a definitely a favorite of mine it still is a favorite of mine and i'll tell you even somebody like me who used to be a dj um to me 
I, I would play that in a nightclub and I would drop, I would put a, I would put a, you know, I would increase the up you know, the up tempo, some, the BPMs that's beats per minute. I would, you know, increase the tempo a little bit. I would drop a, you know, a nice little dancey beat behind it. But you know what? That's to me, that's a club banger for me. Cause that, that is just it, that every time I hear it, I just, it doesn't get old. It does not get old because to me, again, that song resonates with me just because of the simple fact that that's what my life was like. You know, I was a dead man walking on this earth thinking I had it figured out, thinking I knew what, what, you know, what life had to offer me thinking that I had all of that, you know, everything that I had built up in my mind mentally, right. What I thought was what I wanted not realizing that everything that I wanted had no substance to it and didn't have any meaning to it. You know, I was that, uh, I was that guy in that car commercial. I forgot what inter- uh, insurance commercial it was, but maybe you guys might remember, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There was that guy, he's hanging out with all his buddies at a party. He's like, yeah, I'm never getting married. Right. He's and then, he, you know, he, then he says, I'm never getting, you know, having kids. And then there's like another scene in the commercial. And he's like, yeah, I'm never driving one of those. And, I'm never doing this. I'm never doing, never doing that. Right. And then of course it shows at the end of the commercial as, as each scene progresses, like he says, he's never getting married. Right. And then he gets married. Then he's married. Then he says, Oh yeah, we're never having kids. And then you see another scene and the wife walks by and she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. (laughs) And then he, you know, this guy has a muscle car in the commercial and he's like, Oh, we're never buying one of those, which was a minivan driving down his street. And then the next scene shows him driving a minivan, right? And then when you get when you get to the end of the commercial, after he gets past like five or six, I'm never doing this scenarios, and then each scene progresses to him doing what he said he'd never do. It has the last scene of him laying on the couch with his daughters and his wife on a couch, all passed out sleeping from like a family movie night, right? And he says to himself, I'm never letting go. See, that was my life. I was the party guy. I had the sports cars. I had disposable income at my fingertips to do whatever I wanted. I I was able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Didn't have to answer to anybody. Had the sports cars, went out, party, did this, did that. And I thought I was living the life, not realizing I was living the life of a dead man. Seriously. And so found my wife. And obviously the rest is history. And you know what? I look back on the old life and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, was I a foolish, foolish young man that I had no idea what life was about. Now I'm a alive in Christ. Christ is deeply embedded in my heart. He's still working on me on a daily basis because he knows there is many, many things that still need to be fixed up in the internal house that we call this temple, this body temple. And that's why I love that song so much. But anyway, so didn't mean to play DJ for a little bit, but I wanted to play that song, trying to start off, you know, on the right foot. So anyways, in case I did forget, I know I said it was Good Friday. It is April 7, 2023. And again, welcome to His Hard Line for episode 503. So let's get right into the reading. Oh, and before I do my little disclaimer that I like to make sure I put out there. Hold on. Let me find it. Let me find it. Of course I wouldn't have it. There you go, Jason. Being unprepared. That's what happens. Okay. And like I said, as I always state periodically in the podcast, I'm not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I'm not a financial advisor. You will go broke if you listen to me. A pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest, deacon, or biblical scholar. 
or a bar lawyer. So I advise you don't take your um, legal advice from me. I am also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. And additionally, most importantly, I do not advocate for violence, peaceful, lawful solutions only. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own unless I reference other materials. So there you go. There's my daily disclaimer for the day. And um, and so we're going to, I was going to just do one show, but um, we're going to do a reading and then we'll do a prayer and then I'll do a quick second show uh, because I feel like this is really important that we do need to, you know, get into, uh, which is the poisoning of society and people, right? And what they're doing to us, what they tried doing to us, what these clot shots, what they're doing to our food, what they're doing to us mentally and spiritually. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of that discussion on the other side. I was going to do a uh, recording of the Bill of Rights, but I think I might do that maybe later on or something. Um, just kind of, you know, it, it won't take me long. So, um, but I, I feel like that this subject matter on the second show is pretty relevant. So, um, I always feel bad when I start at 8 a.m., you know, on a random day, you know, all my days off just because I know most people expect me to be on at 7 p.m. All right. So let me find my reading. So today I'm going to be reading out of, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try today. All right. So as you all know, if you're part of the assembly or if you're familiar with the general general assembly, um, we base, you know, a lot of our authority comes from the Bible. Our Bible is our original law book. It's our, um, that's where the original source of law actually comes from is the Holy Bible. And one of the first prints, if I'm not mistaken correctly, now I'm sure I'll get corrected if this is untrue, but one of the first prints of the actual Bible, or at least the Bible with the numbers in it, was the 1599 Geneva Bible with a little bit of the Old English. So I'm going to read out of the 1599 Geneva Bible because that is what we reference and use in the assembly. Okay, and this is Genesis chapter 29, and this has, how many verses do we have here? 35 verses here, and then we'll get into a summary. So, it reads, Jacob cometh to Laban, or Leban, and serveth seven years for Rachel. Leah brought to his bed instead of Rachel. He serveth seven years more for Rachel. Leah conceiveth and beareth four sons. Then Jacob lift up his feet and came into the east country. And as he looked about, behold, there was a well in the field, and lo, three flocks of sheep lay thereby, for at the well were the flocks watered. And there was a great stone upon the well's mouth, and thither were all the flocks gathered. And they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth, in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they answered, We are of Haran. Then he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor, who said, We know him. Again he said unto them, Is he in good health? And they answered, He is in good health. And behold, his daughter Rachel cometh with the sheep. And then he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go feed them. And they said, We may not, until all the flocks be brought together, and till men roll the stone from the well's mouth, that 
we may water the sheep. While he talked with them, Rachel also came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, uh, I think it's pronounced Laban, excuse me, Laban, his mother's brother, then came Jacob near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, Laban his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. For Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. Then she ran and told her father. And when Leban heard tell of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Leban all these things to whom Leban said, well, thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. For Leban said unto Jacob, though thou be my brother, Shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall be thy wages? Now Leban and the two daughters, the elder called Leah and the younger called Rachel, and Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and fair. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Then Leban answered, It is better that I give her three than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him a few days because he loved her. Then Jacob said to Levin, Give me my wife, that I may go into her, for my term is ended. Wherefore Levin gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. But when the evening was come, he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Leban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. But when the morning was come, behold, it was Leah. Then said he to Leban, Wherefore hast thou done thus to me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Leban answered, It is not the manner of this place to give the younger before the elder. Fulfill seven years for her, and we will also give thee this for the service, which thou shalt serve me yet seven years more. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her seven years. So he gave him, Rachel, his daughter, to be his wife. Leban also gave to Rachel his daughter, Bilhah, his maid, to be her servant. So entered he into Rachel also and loved also Rachel for more, excuse me, Rachel more than Leah and served him yet seven years more. When the Lord saw that Leah was despised, he made her fruitful, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord hath looked upon my tribulation, now therefore mine husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son. Also she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now at this time will my husband keep me company? Because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi. Moreover, 
she conceived again and bare a son, saying, Now will I praise the Lord? Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. That is the reading of Genesis chapter 29, verses 1 through 35. That wasn't quite as bad as I thought it would be. Like I said, I have a Genesis uh, 1599 Geneva Bible, I should say. Um, I like that and King James just because it gets back to the old original language and text. Because, you know, again, as we all know, words matter. And the English language has certainly been uh, diluted with its word word phrasing and, and, and its definitions. And, and I think it just, I don't know, there's something... As much as I say hard English, you know, old English is hard to read because, you know, the where thoueth and my brethren and whilst, you know, words like that. Yeah, it's hard to read. Um, And sometimes it might be a little bit more challenging to kind of take in scriptures with old English because we're not used to talking like that. But I think, you know, as we get back into older ways of doing things, when when I say older ways of doing things, I'm talking skills that we, you know, walked away from because of uh, conveniences of grocery stores, right? Like making our own medicine, like uh, uh, oil of oregano. That's something my wife is making, right? Like juicing our own juice, you know, rather than just buying it in a plastic container, which is filled with God knows what, you know, at the store. We bought a very expensive, you know, high-functioning, powerful juicer, and we make our own juice. We know exactly what's going in in it, which is 100% juice. No additives, no anything. So, you know, same thing with this... 1599 Geneva Bible. It's it goes back to the original text of the Bible uh, that you know people read back in the day. Now the only thing that I I you know I'm not a fan of is the missing books in the Geneva Bible and the King James Bible. The uh, and particularly the seven you know the uh, seven apocrypha books, which is in the New American Bible Revised Edition. That's my favorite. Just for the simple fact that there is a lot of good information, knowledge, and um, and and spiritual guidance in those books. Um, if you're a person, or a, excuse me, not a person, if you're a man or a woman who favors reading the Book of Enoch, which is completely separate from the Bible, right? You can buy it as an actual book, and you can download it, but it's not in any Bible at all. But Enoch was mentioned somewhere. I forgot what what chapter or what what uh, what what book in the Bible, but Enoch was mentioned a couple times. I want to say it was somewhere in the New Testament, maybe, but the book of Enoch, that's not even in any of the Bibles, but yet people go and find and, you know, seek out that book and read it because again, it's, it's a very interesting text. You know, we need to go back to the old ways and the old text and some of the old um, scrolls because there's without a doubt, they're keeping things from us. They're keeping good medicine from us, right? Good natural remedies from us. They're keeping a lot from us. And who's to say that they can't take out very important things out of the Bible that's relevant for us and for our spiritual life? You know, who's to say that they haven't taken some of that stuff out either? And this is where that discernment comes in, right? This is where that relationship with God and Christ comes in. You have to really have a good, strong relationship with Christ so you know exactly what you should and should not be doing. But anyway, so what does you know Genesis chapter twenty nine you know mean here? And so, like I said in the in the disclaimer, I always kind of try to reference if I'm grabbing my stuff from you know some other place. So I'm I'm reading from BibleRef.com, FYI. Uh, if you want to know where I'm getting the summary from, it's BibleRef.com. <clears throat> so after his journey eastward, Jacob arrives at the home of Laban. Laban, 
his mother's brother. Now, Leban lives in Haran in Mesopotamia, and outside of the land God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and in the previous chapter to Jacob. Now, Jacob had left his homeland in Canaan, remember, as instructed by his mother, and both to find a wife among his father's people. Now, they go to escape. Um, they, they find a wife among his father's people and then to escape the murderous rage of the older twin brother, Esau, as we read a couple of nights ago. Now, Jacob's plan is to seek out the former household of his mother, Rebecca, and her brother, Levin. Excuse me while I take a quick sip of coffee. Oh, that's really good. We just, you know, installed a reverse osmosis system under a sink and the coffee just tastes great, especially when it's, you know, put through a French press coffee maker. So continuing now, Jacob comes across a well in a field, first of all, and he asked some of the shepherds that were gathered near the well with their flocks, if they knew Leban and if he was striving. Now, they do know him, and they point to Leban's daughter, Rachel, arriving with a flock of her own. And Jacob immediately rolls the heavy stone away from the well and the water, and, you know, and then he you know, continues to water the sheep that belonged to Rachel's father. Now, this might have been an effort to impress her, as later verses will show that Jacob comes to love Rachel very much. But Jacob becomes emotional about finding these relatives that he has never met before. He kisses Rachel and he weeps loudly. Finally, he tells her who he is. And then she runs to tell Levin. Now, Levin quickly arrives and he hugs and kisses Jacob and welcomes him into his home. And Jacob tells Levin some version of his story and how he came to be there. And Levin acknowledges that Jacob is truly his relative. Now, after Jacob has been with the family for about a month and working for Levin, the uncle asked the nephew what wages he would ask to continue working for him. So the implication here is that Jacob is a good worker. He's a very, you know, and he's very helpful to Levin. And Jacob, who has come in part to find a wife, offers to work for seven years in exchange for marrying Levin's younger daughter, Rachel, whom Jacob loves. Now, this intense love for Rachel will be an important contrast to Jacob's feelings for her older sister, Leah, later, you know, in this chapter that we read. So Levin quickly agrees to this generous offer, and the years fly by for Jacob. Now, when the time is passed, Levin throws a wedding feast. Now, on the wedding night, however, Levin manages to switch out Rachel for her older, less attractive sister, Leah. And Jacob sleeps with Leah without realizing she is not Rachel, which... Uh, that that just confuses me. I don't know how that works out, but okay. And so I guess apparently in that time and place, this was enough to constitute a legal marriage. The only way I could see that happening is like they're getting plastered on wine, right? And there's no electricity back then, at least presumably. There's no electricity back then, so all you have is candlelight. And if you're intoxicated, I guess... I guess it might be easy. I don't know, but still, <laughs> you would think that um, someone somewhere might notice something different of the other person. I don't know. So when Jacob realizes the next morning what had happened, he demands to know why Levin had committed this outrageous deception. 
Now, Leban calmly tells Jacob that their custom does not allow the younger daughter to marry first. Obviously, even if this were true, it is information Leban had seven years to pass along to Jacob. The entire arrangement was an obvious ploy on Leban's part, and here then is Jacob getting a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, I guess what comes around goes around, right? I mean, he deceived, he deceived, you know, uh, what was it, Isaac to get his brother's blessing, Esau's blessing, right? So I guess he got a dose of his own medicine. So, you know, the lying manipulator feeling the sting of deception and fraud. Ooh, ouch. That sucks. Don't do wrong on other people. It won't come back to bite you. Now, as if in generosity, Leban's offer to allow Jacob to marry Rachel the next week in exchange for another seven years of work, in spite of Leban's manipulation, Jacob agrees. When looking back on the passage, after reading about Jacob's remaining life, it turns out that he had gained four wives, two of whom who are really servants or concubines, right? in the span of a week and both of the servants given to Leban's daughter at their weddings will wind up bearing children to Jacob as well. Now married twice over and with seven more years of unpaid work ahead of him, it's a lot of years of work without being paid. Jacob settles in and Leah though is deeply wounded by the fact that Jacob loves Rachel more than her. In fact, Jacob is said to hate Leah, at least by comparison. And given the circumstances of their marriage, this is hardly a surprise. And so the Lord, who is always with Jacob, takes notice of Leah's heartbreak and allows her to begin having children while her younger, better-loved sister remains barren. Now, Jacob's first three sons from his unloved wife are named as a result of her faith. Now, Leah trusts in the God who notices her pain and for her hope or lack of it, that Jacob will now turn his heart towards her. And now, in spite of Leah bearing Reuben, Simeon and Levi, however, Jacob apparently remains unloving toward Leah. And Leah seems to give up hope, hoping that bearing sons will increase Jacob's love for her. And she names her fourth boy Judah, which means praise or may God be praised. And Leah's faith in God's goodness remains intact, even while her hope that her husband will love her appears to slip away. So finally, this last verse of the chapter specifically indicates that Leah stopped conceiving children after Judah. And this might be due to a temporary time of infertility. However, the next chapter speaks of Rachel's anger that Leah has had children while Rachel has not. And this jealousy from her favored wife, from his favored wife, might have inspired Jacob to withhold himself from Leah in an effort to give Rachel a child to call her own. Wow. That's a, I tell you, this, this gets really deep. But, you know, Jacob definitely got a dose of his own medicine, didn't he? He definitely got a dose of his own medicine. But yeah, Nancy, you're right. He apparently loves something about her. Just saying. That's Yeah, I agree. But I tell you, it's very interesting how he, you know, had deception and, you know, fraud brought about on his own life because, you know, he decided to listen to his mother a couple chapters back and, you know, take the blessing from Esau. 
But anyway, but that's a summary for Genesis chapter 29. And again, um, I try to like the reference where I get a lot of the stuff from. This was from BibleRef.com. You can click on, you know, find the book, uh, Genesis chapter 29. And that's the summary right there. You'll find it right there. Um, but yeah, there you go. And and so um, just a little bit of quick housekeeping as well. So remember, I do have a website, hishardline.com. If you have any questions or you want to email the show, hishardline at gmail.com. That's hishardline at gmail.com. And so I do have a give, send, go. If anybody feels inclined, no pressure, no, you know, this is not a sales pitch to give me money. But if you choose to support the work I do here at His Hardline, wonderful. But at the very least, what you can do is share this show. I do ask that, that you share the show, because that to me is more important and more valuable than any amount of money. Because the important thing is to get more of the word of God out there and to help people get Christ in their heart, because we cannot move forward in a nation and build back up a nation from its ruins um, <clears throat> by this cult that has taken it down over the last few hundred years. We can't build back a prosperous and abundant nation without centering God at the heart of everything. It's very important. So, like I said, if nothing else, I ask that you share this show far and wide. So let's uh, end this in prayer, and then we'll continue on to the second show, okay? So, dear Heavenly Father, we want to say, first off, good morning, and thank you for another day of life and good health. We thank you for the gift of companionship, with our spouses, and we thank you for the gift of our children and for those of us that are a little more seasoned in life for our grandchildren. We want to say we appreciate every life lesson that you bring about, both lessons in the Bible and real life living lessons. We just pray that we never, how should I say it? We just pray that we never become blind to the valuable lessons that we need to learn. And um, we just, we thank you every day for everything that you do for us, because there's so many things that we need to be thankful for that we often overlook, that we often take for granted. And we need to really take time and write in a journal or at least take two minutes and just think of five things to be thankful for. So thank you, Father, for all that you provide for us. And um, anybody out there who is dealing with health struggles, like my nephew, who is dealing with his eight to 10 seizures a day. We pray for his healing. We pray for my, my buddy at work who is still dealing with his marital woes, but he sees you working, God, and he's trusting your process. It is amazing to watch his transformation and trusting and coming to you. She's still doing and fighting, apparently, and I don't know what's going on with her. Only you do, but he sees you working. He'd like to see the final result, but he sees you working. And we thank you for that. And we pray for those out there who are trying to conceive. These are special intention prayers. Anybody who's trying to conceive a baby, the gift of life. We pray for all those people out there who have dealt with multiple miscarriages, like my wife, like many others out there. We pray that you can help deliver more miracles of a precious little life that brings so much joy to us, more joy than any material object can in this world. And we continuously pray for 
anybody and everybody out there who is dealing with financial troubles and anything in between. Bring resolve in these people's lives. Deliver miracles. We pray all this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So this concludes episode 503 here at His Hard Line. We're going to close this out, and then we will come back and we'll do another quick show, okay? Like I said, original plan was I was just going to do one show, and I was going to do a recording of the Bill of Rights and the new Declaration of Independence, so I can drop that, but I want to do that as a separate recording, kind of like I did with the Contempt of the Constitution. Um, that's something I did not want to make into a live show. That's going to be more of a recorded production. And then I'll drop it, you know, drop that in. Um, but I will close this out and we'll come back. We'll do a second show real quick. Um, I say real quick, watch, it'll be like another 36, 40 minutes. But, uh, I see we got Rietta right here in the house. She says, I am awake now. Well, you miss, you miss the word of God <laughs> and you actually missed something special. I actually read out of the Geneva, the 1599 Geneva Bible. Boy, was that a little challenging for me with all the old English. But, hey, we're going to do a second show. So go get your chocolate tea, Rietta. Wake up, Donnie. No, don't do that. Donnie will probably get very mad at me. So let's not, let's not make wake up, Donnie. And uh, we will come back for the second show. All right. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. And we will be right back. God bless. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him?